What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. If you're ready to unleash your marketing potential and crush your small business goals, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Miranda Rodriguez. Over the past four and a half years, I've helped hundreds of small business owners achieve big dreams with small strategic marketing steps. When I say big dreams, I'm talking quitting that part-time job, five times in your income, or opening your first brick and mortar. On this podcast, I'll teach you how to market your business with laugh out loud personal stories, real life client examples, and the occasional F-bomb. Because let's be honest, marketing your small business is so much more than just a marketing problem. Grab your earbuds and let me show you how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. You're listening to episode 143 of the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. And today, I'm so excited to share with you the first in a series of client interviews that will be hitting the podcast. And this one is with my former client, Bethany Lee of My Equestrian Style and the Equestrian Podcast. Bethany Lee is a Florida horse trainer, founder, and content creator of the lifestyle platform My Equestrian Style and host of the Equestrian Podcast. Bethany is also the co-founder of Equestrian Workshop, which meets with other female equestrian businesswomen from across the country two times a year to build community and teach them her marketing and social media secrets. And she's sharing a few of those with you today on this episode. She has a niche community of over 50,000 and continues to be the American industry leader in her businesses. Let me just tell you guys, Bethany is such a powerhouse when it comes to the being an industry pioneer for both of her businesses and for just being a businesswoman in general. Um, She has so much drive. I was blown away by our work together because of just how quickly she was willing and able to take her marketing action plan and execute it. And so She shares a lot of great tips and advice on this episode today. I think whether you are a horse girl or not, you will learn a lot in this episode. So if you don't have a way to take notes, I know a lot of you listen on the go, just maybe bookmark this episode and come back to it later. Um, One of my favorite things that she opens up about today is how she pivots when she launches something or she executes something in her marketing action plan and it doesn't quite go to plan. We all have those moments, right? Those moments of insecurity or doubt or what do we do now, you know? So I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did recording it. I can't wait to hear what you think. Be sure to share this episode and tag us on Instagram and let us know what you thought. Enjoy. Hi, Bethany. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Oh my gosh. Bethany and I have, I feel like it's been a marathon to get us on (laughs) (laughs) to recording today. (laughs) Yep. The life of entrepreneurs. I feel like it's always a, it's always a battle trying to set some time aside, but I'm glad we got here. Yes, me too. So I wanted to start with just like a little bit of a history of who you are and both of your businesses. So if you can let, I mean, I know that people listening from your community are going to know who you are, but let's introduce everyone to my audience as well. Sure. Yeah. So I am Bethany Lee. Um, My two businesses are My Equestrian Style, which is a an equestrian lifestyle platform, primarily on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok now, but it pretty much celebrates the idea of equestrian lifestyle in all forms. So obviously fashion is a main part of that, but um, also travel and fitness and just the general lifestyle that goes along with 
um, riding and showing and traveling and how as equestrians, it really just becomes a big part of your life instead of just like a hobby or a sport. So that is my equestrian style. I started that in 2016. And um, it's basically I do content creation for a bunch of equestrian brands um, to promote and highlight their products and services. So that's one. And then the other um, job that I have um, is Equestrian Podcast, which I started in 2019. And I, you know, basically am it's an interview-based podcast where I am talking to all levels, all disciplines of the equestrian world. So we've had a lot of English, hunter-jumper, because that's my zone, um, but also Western and racing and um, dressage, eventing, really anything you can think of. And then we've had kids, we've had you know junior riders, adult riders, um, all the way to like very top professionals of the sport. So it's been a really fun experience. Um, I think I just recorded my 230th episode. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And when did you start the podcast? Um, in 2019, right Perfect. in the beginning of the year, I started doing one episode a week and then um, did that for about a year. And then during the pandemic, um, I feel like all of my guests that I had on my you know wish list were all home and not showing. <laughs> and so I got so ma- I was probably doing like 20 interviews a week because um, I was literally just chilling at home and so were they. And then um, I'm like, man, with all these episodes, like I think I might have to bump it up to two episodes a week. So I did that. And then I've been rolling with that ever since. Wow. That's amazing. I don't think I realized it really took off during the pandemic. And mine did too. So I had quit my podcast in 2019. I took that year off. And then because of the pandemic, I came back and I did a short series of interviews with small business owners. And then it just kind of like launched into what the podcast is now. So that's really amazing. So do you want to share with people um, how big your podcast is right now? Yeah. um, So yes, about 230 episodes and just recently hit about 620,000 overall listens. So it's amazing. (laughs) Excited to hit the 1 million mark. (laughs) Yes. I, and I mean, and you're well on your way. So let's start with how, first of all, how do you manage these two businesses? And then you still, you work. So you're very actively involved in your industry as a job as well. Right. I like to tell people that I have three full-time jobs. (laughs) You do. You seriously do. And so, I mean, and what does it feel like to say that knowing that you grew the the other two, two of the three on your own to full-time? How does that feel? Yeah, it feels great. Um, It's definitely both of these very like brands and businesses were things that I, you know, was just kind of starting because I was passionate about it. And I started my equestrian style quite honestly, because I was riding so much with my training job that I was wearing through breeches so fast, like wearing through my riding pants and they're so expensive. And I was like, if I could find a way to get like a couple free pairs of riding pants, (laughs) like that would really help me out. So that's honestly how my equestrian style started. My husband, Ethan takes all of my photo and video. And when we, um, before we moved to Florida, we lived in LA and we had a wedding photography business and we also would photograph, um, different, you know, like LA bloggers. And um, I always thought in the back of my head, like this would be really fun to do because I love fashion and it's always been a big part of my life. And so then 
when I moved to Florida, we kind of pieced it all together. And at the time I was one of the only people who was doing something like this kind of fashion and lifestyle within the equestrian world. And so it's really cool how much the community in that area has grown. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, been, a challenge um, trying to balance my full-time training job. I'm a private home trainer for two families who are um, definitely in the junior and adult um, divisions at the top of the sport. And so um, I travel a lot and um, I'm training them at home. I manage um, all of their lesson and practice horses and all of their you know day in and day out practicing when we're not showing. And so, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of work, um, but I really do thrive on having, like, I'm always the kind of person, and I've been like this since I was like school aged, where if I have like the whole afternoon to do like three tasks, I won't start working on it till like 9 PM. Right. But if I'm like, okay, I have this little window of an hour and a half to get these three things done. I always like knock it out. Yeah. So, um, I feel like that's kind of how I thrive now where I am. I do my thing at the barn. I ride, I teach lessons. And then, um, when I'm not at the barn, I pop back home and I'm, you know, recording some podcasts or I am answering emails or I am creating content. And so, yeah, it's really, um, definitely with my other two um, businesses. It started out small and like kind of more passion project. And then when I realized how I had kind of like an influence in my little niche industry of the equestrian world, um, I really realized how after kind of educating the space that influencer marketing is um, a, could be a really big part of the industry. It really just kind of grew from there and um, realized I had, you know, potential of two very successful businesses growing. And um, now I thankfully um, feel like I've reached one of my goals, which is that um, I wanted to grow the podcast and my equestrian style to a point where if I didn't want, if I didn't find training fun anymore, that mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have to do it and to just do that because I love it. And so um, I feel like this year with your help, honestly, Miranda, <laughs> I, have, I have hit that goal where I can literally just train because I still really love it. I love, I love to hear that because you're so passionate about the industry in general. And I think the fact that you don't have to work in a job that you don't like to pay the bills, you know, mm -hmm. you're not sacrificing your passion for the income. You are doing all of it. You're making the money and you have your passions and you're still like doing all the things you love. So something I wanted to ask you is like in the beginning, when you first started your influencer, because we know as in the equine industry, like there is a generation of, I want to say women, but I, I work with the women primarily yeah. that are kind of changing the dynamics of the industry. And I think um, you're very much a part of that. So in the beginning, when you started the influencer business, how was that received in the industry? Yeah. Um, our sport is definitely classic, I would mm -hmm. say. And so the idea, and it still is, um, it's becoming more and more popular to want like photos and videos um, of e even just for like riders to have that. But I think there's always this stigma with maybe more classical sports like this that, and this is something that I struggled with growing up and trying to find my place within the industry is that um, a lot of people see only see professionals in the sport as being riders and trainers. Mm -hmm. And for me, I um, love riding, love training. I will probably 
never love it enough to want to be at the top of the sport. Um, it is also a bit, I mean, there's a huge financial component to being at the top of the sport and maybe given more opportunity to ride and have sale horses and that whole aspect. Um, maybe I would have done something more with riding and training myself. Um, but the way that I, you know, did the sport growing up and the way that I continue to do it now, I have really found that I find more joy in, um, you know, preparing horses for my clients and watching them reach their goals. And then through that, I really found that my passion was really lying in highlighting the equestrian lifestyle and showing the, the creative side of what you can do to promote and the use of influencer marketing. So I think that it, it took me a minute as it kind of takes a lot of people, but that's something that I try to highlight on the equestrian podcast as well, is that there are so many avenues to work within the equestrian industry so that you really can love what you do. Um, especially for a lot of us horse riders that, you know, we've been riding since we were four or five years old. It's like, we're full on horse girl. It's ingrained in us forever that, um, but maybe people who've are discouraged because they're like, Oh, I'm like, I'm not like the best rider in the world, or I'm not going to like all of a sudden start my own training program. There mm -hmm. are so many other routes really. I mean, find what you are passionate about and you can find an equestrian related job. So that's definitely what I also try to highlight. Yeah. And I think you do a great job highlighting both of those. So as you've, as you've highlighted those things, um, have you, ever struggled with your marketing in terms of like putting yourself out there or doing things differently or sharing opinions? Because I know sometimes, especially when you are a pioneer, like you're one of the first ones to do something differently in your industry or doing it for the first time, it can be hard to not compare yourself. And so when you started, you didn't, you didn't really have a lot of people to compare yourself to. So have you, how, how did that shake your confidence or like, how have you, because we see you on Instagram and I know you outside of that, but, and you're a very confident person. And so I feel like people, when it comes to marketing their businesses, especially new businesses, new business owners can struggle with that confidence piece of like, well, I don't want to put my face out there. I don't want to be on reels all the time, you know, and even I do too. So can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. And I thank you for thinking that I'm confident. It's not always <laughs> rainbows right. and butterflies over here. I know that it's great that I like love my jobs and I'm passionate about everything, which is so true. I love how every day for me is different and every day involves horses. That's always been my goal. But like there are challenges and struggles and fires that I'm putting out every day. And so um, as far as how I kind of have like navigated the confidence component of really being true to who I am is, um, and people ask me this all the time. They're like, do you get tired of having like your whole life exposed on Instagram and, and all of that? And, um, or do you get tired of like having to constantly like post and update people and, and have your whole job be, you know, like the type of content you create and put out. And I think for me, it has become, such a routine of my life that I don't really, I, I don't really consider it as, you know, 
as stressful as like it maybe would come across. Um, cause I, I am, I'm constantly like putting stuff out for the world to see. And, but I just found that if I'm not true to like really who I am and what I'm feeling that it's really going to like put me in a place where I'm going to start resenting what I'm doing. And so I feel like for me, I mean, I, there was always a starting point. I, I think last, it would have been last March is when I started doing reels consistently. And it was right after my dad passed away. And it was like, he died very suddenly. It was like a shock to our whole family. And I needed a way to cope with, with that, with that loss and like, find like, I don't know if I was necessarily escaping from that, but I just needed something else to focus on. Mm -hmm. I was like helping my mom through how to, how to live, how to do like, you know, figure out all of her finances. Like my dad had done all of that. And, um, my husband and I lived with her for three months and a big part of that time I was literally all, like I was just making reels every day. Like that's what I was doing. That was your, yeah. Yeah. And so for me, that, that part of my job, it, it felt like just something I had to do to like get myself mm-hmm. through the day. And it turned out to be such an incredible thing for my business because it, I mean, especially when reels were first starting out, I was, I was gaining exposure and followers like by the hundreds every week. And mm-hmm. I continue to, and it was just something that I saw that positive impact and I saw the growth in my community and it just kind of like propelled me to keep going with it. And same thing for showing my face. I found that the more that I just you know, put the camera in front of my face and started talking about even just stuff where I'm like, okay, this is so like cringe. Like no one cares that I'm like, you know, (laughs) doing this, that, and the other, like, here's what I had for lunch or, you know, here's my like silly dog, but it really becomes part of your brand and people know you. Like when I, you know, bump into people at a horse show who say that they follow me on Instagram. They're like, I love FIFA. And it's like, what other situation would someone just (laughs) randomly know about my dog? Like, you know, and that's obviously not, I'm not selling dog products, but people, you know, relate, they, when they think of me, there's certain things and that's all like, that's completely part of my branding and my marketing is that I want people to know that I am a, Florida horse trainer, but I also, you know, am have a really fun, cute little family, like my mm-hmm. husband who does my photography and video and my dog FIFA. I want people to know that I love fitness. I love travel and, um, that I have these businesses and, you know, love what I do. And so I feel like that through showing my day-to-day life that translates really well. So, but it definitely, for me, my piece of advice that I would give to someone just starting out or feeling uncomfortable showing their face is to try as hard as you can just to like have the thought in your head, do it in one take and then don't watch it. Like just post (laughs) and like, like I still have to do that sometimes Mm -hmm. where I, don't watch my stories or even in the beginning of doing the podcast, like I wouldn't listen to my podcast episodes because I'm like, oh, I hate the sound of my voice. Yeah. But like who doesn't hate the sound of their right. voice? So yeah, I think a lot of it is just forcing yourself to get into the routine um, so that you can start seeing the positive changes that happen for your business. And then that's kind of the motivation that keeps you, you know, continuing to do it. 
Hey, I'm interrupting real quick to share something exciting with you. If you've been wanting to work with me, now's your chance. To celebrate the relaunch of the podcast, for a limited time only, I'm giving you 50% off my Marketing Unlocked offer. In this two-hour, one-on-one marketing intensive, we'll strategize, organize, and prioritize all the things you have swirling around in your business brain. If you're looking to jumpstart your marketing, pivot your offers, or level up your income, then this offer is for you. Use the link in the show notes or visit marketinguninhibited.com and use code PODCAST50 for 50% off the Marketing Unlocked offer for a limited time only. Yes, so much of it is establishing that routine and then it becomes a habit where you don't even think about it anymore. And what I think is so interesting about you like starting reels when you were obviously dealing with a lot of grief during that time was that like the goal was never to like use reels to grow the business. It was just a byproduct of something that you were doing for yourself to like mm-hmm. fulfill yourself. And I think people, they lose that in marketing. They think, well, I have to check all of these boxes because some expert somewhere says that, but actually where your marketing is going to succeed is where you're passionate. And so if you are not I mean, in some things, you do have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you have to try new things, but you can start where you're passionate and you can start where you're having fun and with what lights you up because your customers and the people watching, they're going to feel that energy. Mm -hmm. So if you show up and you like, you hate making reels or you feel like it's forced, you know, then just like set it down for a little bit and Mm -hmm. try something else. Um, And it's so interesting because like these personal touches, FIFA, first of all, is so adorable. She's so cute. <laughs> he has um, so much personality. Yeah. <laughs> Those dogs, they're so, they're just these giant balls of energy, mm. I feel like. Um, and these personal touches, like showing Ethan, showing your dog, showing your home projects, like these help people get to know you and then get to like you and then to trust you to want to spend money with you or to attend a workshop with you. And so not everyone, depending on the type of business you have, has to show like all aspects of your life. I know some people don't want to show their kids faces or so, you know, like you can still have your boundaries, but it is important to open up and have a little bit of those personal touches involved because that's how people get to know you. So like when I, someone follows me on Instagram and it says they're a small business owner. And if I scroll through your feed and there's not a single photo of your face or who you are, but like, And even it will say in the profile sometimes like women owned, you know, and I'm like, okay, but who is it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who is this person? And so you don't have to go to the like influencer side of things, which is showing your face all the time, which is your business there. But for small business owners, people want to know who they're supporting. Like so much of that is part of the brand story is understanding like, oh, this is not just this person making candles over here, it is like, oh, her family is helping her. And this is how she's giving back to her community because of what we're doing. And I think opening it up in that way helps people connect to you. And that's what marketing is. It's like connecting with your audience and making that emotional connection with them that says like, oh, I like you enough to now want to pay you. And so people, and it's not, and I think people get caught up too, like you said, like, well, who's, who's going to care if I show, you know, my iced coffee and my workout in the morning. And it's like, it's just relatable content. And I have hired people that way before. Like, um, I have a podcast coach and mentor right now, and she was talking about her workouts one day. And I was like, Oh, I feel like I can relate to this woman, you know, in my business coach who I worked with last year, she 
<laughs> she was posting something about her love for Stabler on Law and Order SVU. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's and so amazing. We had, it was amazing. We had this whole conversation in the DMs. And then when she relaunched her business program, I was like, oh, I feel like I know her now and I trust her enough to want to work with her and to invest the time and money with her. And so don't discount those. I know you don't, but for anyone listening, like don't discount those personal moments because those are all um, opportunities to connect with your audience. Mm-hmm. And I think those are really, really impactful for growing your business. Yeah. Yeah. No, two things I thought of when you were saying that one, like um, I host an equestrian workshop twice mm-hmm. a year and I feel like that's something that we talk about a lot. And I, we, one of the you know sessions that I teach is arguing that everyone is an influencer and whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, whether it's to my end of the spectrum or you are like a small business that has a product or service, people really do want to know who you are because that is going to separate, you know, from a sea of people selling riding pants. But if they know about who you are and the, and really resonate with the things that you like and the, the person that you are, that will kind of, you know, make that extra step towards having them be a potential customer or, you know, other, other things opening up down the road. So I feel like that is, you know, for any business, it's so important. We, we sometimes do a little challenge with our workshops where we make our attendees do like an X amount of days in a row where they show their face on stories. Yes. And you have to, and have fun with it, you know, and just like posting it without looking at it, whatever you have to do to just add levity to that situation. Because when you're like, I like to tell people to do it after they work out. If, if workout routine, like find a time in your day when you're most confident. So for me, it's like, okay, I've worked out, I've showered, we're good to go now. Like mm-hmm. I, my confidence is probably at the peak right now. Yep. Um, let's create this reel or let's create this video. And then it was actually my brother of all people who challenged me. This I think was right in the beginning of the pandemic. And we were talking about making videos and I had the same like, like you were human, we have confidence issues sometimes or qualms about showing up in different ways. And he was like, no one cares what you look like on camera. Like they're there to listen to what you have to say to like get some tips for marketing their business or some inspiration. And so he challenged me to show up like it was every day that week with a video on Instagram, regardless of what I was wearing, because At the time I had an office Mm -hmm. and when we talked, he was like, I was like, well, I can't today. You know, I just worked out and I came to the office. I haven't showered or anything. He's like, no one cares. No one cares. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And I started showing up and I had a couple, I actually had a client who was like, well, I wouldn't trust anyone that just showed up and work out here to talk about marketing. Really? Oh, well, maybe we're not, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you're not my person then because the people I'm speaking to don't care because they're also just as busy or they're running in between. And like, I heard someone recently and it was not, it was the largest business investment I've ever made. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I have, <laughs> we're doing home renovations. And she had like a mattress behind her, a laundry basket, uh-huh. you know, and she's pitching me on the largest amount of money I'm ever going to invest in my business in six months. And I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know, like it didn't make me think any less of her or her services. It was just a real life moment. Like, yeah, I get it. And so seeing people 
do that, I think is such a good example of like taking the pressure off of ourselves. Like we don't have to be perfect. You know, you're not perfect. And you've had a lot more practice than most people because you've been doing this so consistently. And I think people like don't discount that either, you know, like with, with enough repetition and practice, you can be good at anything really. And I, I think that's something I really like about working with the horse girls is that you all, you guys are all competitive Oh yeah, and you're very driven. And so it's like anytime in a marketing conversation, if I pose something new, it's more of a challenge, like, oh, okay, let me see if I can do this, you know? And yep. so are there any other things when it comes to marketing an equine business or horse girl marketing that you think would be helpful for people to know whether they're just starting out or they're looking to grow? Because you came to me with two solid businesses and then you were ready to take them to the next level. So that's what we worked on. Um, do you have any advice for people who are looking to do the same? Yeah, um, I would say for for that group of people, either new to business or kind of trying to take theirs to the next level, it's all about kind of getting through the overwhelm of your business. And we all know as business owners, there's a million and one things to do at any given time. So just the reality that you're not going to get to everything and that's okay. But if you can find ways to cut through that overwhelm, find the things that you have to get done that day. And then also I think where my business started to really grow is when I was able to identify the things that I had to do that either I was super good at that I really liked or that I physically could, like had to do personally and then outsource the rest. And I think that that has really changed my business because those were the things that were kind of sitting on my to-do list very for a long time or like things that I really just kind of did half-heartedly because I either wasn't good at, they took me way too long or I just like wanted to like poke my eyeballs out. So <laughs> I ended up really just one day, like making a giant list, which ended up really essentially just working through my brand pillars. And I, but I made a giant list of like all the tasks that I have to do in like a given week. And like as detailed as like, you know, like going through my email inbox or like, you know, putting my podcast recordings into Google Drive and all of those things. Um, so any little task, you know, or the big tasks too. And then I started, you know, just kind of color coordinating. I circled the things like in red that I had to do. And then um, everything else I kind of organized together and figured out from there. I, I think it just helped my brain to visually see the other things. And it really was like, oh, like the things that I circled are pretty digestible for me to complete in a week versus all the other, you know, 50 things that I didn't circle. And I really found a way to be able to um, use, you know, different things like upwork.com where I found um, some freelance work for, for some extra help, especially like my podcast audio guy who does all of my podcast editing. There is no, like, sure. I could like sit down and edit all of my audio, but like that, first of all, it takes so much of my time away from the other things that I'm good at. 
And um, also I'm not good at like audio <laughs> editing. So why that made no sense for me to do. So outsource something like that. I also have always used interns, which I think was a great way. It was a, a mutually beneficial way for people to learn how my business was running. Um, but also I was able to utilize, um, you know, college age kids who are, were looking to do like an independent study for college credit. Um, so I think that really allowed me to start really practicing to delegate and organize myself. And so um, I think Upwork is amazing. I think the use of interns is amazing. And then recently I have been, you know, through business coaching, like through working with you and then also having a small team underneath me. It forced me to stay organized and on top of things and it helped keep me accountable, but it also took so much off my plate so I could really focus on the things that I was good at and the things that really was moving the needle in the business for me. So all of the big picture planning, all of the physical content creation and things like that. I think that's really important. And what you did is you elevated yourself to a CEO role, really, where you're managing all of these pieces and not having to work in the business as often. And I think that's really important and it, it to delegate those tasks. And it if for people listening who aren't there yet, you can start just like Bethany did, just making a list of like, okay, here are the things I really like doing. Like, I really like recording my podcast, like you like recording yours. Mm-hmm. I don't love all the other stuff. I don't love the editing. And we did the editing in-house. So my fiance, he would edit everything. He would balance and master it. He would put the intro and the outro on. He did everything. And he works full-time too. So then that was sometimes creating some friction in our day-to-day lives where, you know, if it's deadline sensitive or I forgot to remind him, you know, and now he's at work and he can't do it until the next day. So that I knew that was one of the first things I wanted to get off my plate. And so that's what I did this year was now all the podcast stuff is going to be off my plate. And I think People want to wait for perfect conditions, kind of like with family planning, where you're like, okay, when we have this amount of money in savings and we have this and this and this, and then, okay, now we're ready. And it's like, it will never be perfect. And you may never feel like you have enough income in your business to hire someone on, but at some point you have to make the leap in order to grow. Because if you want your business to grow, and it all depends on what people's goals are, but Um, That is a little leap of faith there to say like, okay, now I'm responsible for paying these people and I'm responsible for making enough income to pay them and to pay myself. Did you have any worries about that when you first brought out, started outsourcing things? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I was a little bit more reserved when it came to paying and and outsourcing because yeah i mean the reality is i'm i'm sure people listened or when i was you know on the receiving end of hearing people say outsource i'm like yeah that sounds great in theory <laughs> but like you still have to pay them so yeah. like and and that that can be really hard to put into reality sometimes so i definitely started when i was to the point with the podcast that i was you know in the green for every episode and I could justify putting a little bit of that to saving myself time mm-hmm. and having a better version of the podcast. So for me, it made a lot of sense, even financially, because I was still in the green after outsourcing that component of the podcast. And then I, I really did feel like I was able to get my feet wet by having interns um, where I was, you know, 
feeling how to um, delegate and outsource, but not having that huge financial commitment. Um, and then I was still able to grow to a point where then I could start hiring, a, you know, a team underneath me and then, um, then, you know, invest in things like a business coach and, you know, stuff to like continue to grow to the next level. And so it definitely was like baby steps. I don't, I didn't feel like I was, you know, breaking even and then making these huge, you know, multi-thousand dollar investments. It was definitely, I definitely did like bite size baby steps before I got to that point. And do you feel like all of the investments you've made to outsource or to get help with certain things, do you feel like at this point those have paid off or like gotten you to a higher level that you wouldn't have achieved before? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I think that there's, I mean, there's thing, there's ways that you have to look at outsourcing, I think as a business owner and I get it. And this is what I have to kind of work through with my clients as well, is that they want to, pay you X, but they want to make sure that they are receiving, you know, two times X in return, Mm -hmm. which is like, I, and I get that. And I've been on the end of, you know, making the investment and everyone's always willing to pay if they know that they're going to get that plus some in return. And sometimes it is more for personal growth or, you know, things that aren't physically attained, like, you know, physically, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's not like physical, like money. Yeah. Tangible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of the experience and more of the personal growth and the confidence, um, that then turns into, you know, future sales or, or business growth monetarily. So I think that if you know, and have the expectations going into an investment, and then checking in with those and seeing how they have helped you reach certain goals you've set for yourself in the beginning. I think that that's really important too. So I would say, yes, I feel like outsourcing and investing has definitely paid off for me financially, but also just as a human and as a business owner, I feel like I've experienced a lot of growth there too. Yeah, I think in that it is hard to articulate, like as someone who delivers a service that doesn't necessarily have tangible results, it can be hard sometimes to articulate that. And, but you just have to, I mean, and I, my clients do get results. And so I can speak to those, but it can be, it's all, it all depends on the person sitting in front of me, you know, and Mm -hmm. the level of work and the level of commitment that they're putting in. So the results, it's not like all across the board, you know, and it's the same if you're training someone, you know, like the results are also dependent on that, that rider, that horse. Totally. So it, yeah, it can be difficult, but that's where that element of like trust and that leap of faith where you just have to, and if, and if the lesson you learn in that moment is like, oh, okay, this is not the direction I want to go, or this is not the type of person that I want to invest in any longer, then that's a good lesson too, because now mm-hmm. you have more criteria for the next time around, if you bring someone on board. So we can start to, I think we've covered a lot today, but as we wrap it up, I mean, do you want to speak to a few things or maybe like two of the biggest things, like speaking of results and tangibles from investing in a business coach and a marketing coach for, well, we worked together last year, but into this year. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think that when I started working with you specifically, I was um, at a point where 
I was, you know, doing well with my equestrian style and doing well with the podcast. Like didn't really have any complaints, but I feel like I was kind of at my ceiling that I kind of placed for myself. And I think working with you, you really helped me work through breaking that ceiling and getting to the next point. And I also feel like you did really help me get rid of some of the overwhelm that I thought I needed to have, or, you know, the busyness that I felt like I needed to have, um, in order to maintain. And when in reality, I felt like I was able to figure out how to do less and grow and not just maintain. So really, I think you, you, you helped me restructure my packaging in like a different mindset where I was kind of figuring out, almost, almost my packaging backwards where you had me really look at big picture of like, okay, like how much do, how much income do I want to make in these businesses and kind of work back from there. And it really, it was like scary at first and not going (laughs) to lie, like sending, I remember like you and I talking and like, I was nervous to send these packages out because I'm like, this is a lot, like, this is so different than what I was doing before. Um, but what I was doing before was a bunch of tiny one-time collaborations that in reality, like burned me out because I was working with so many people. So you really helped restructure that I was able to like really live out that quality over quantity work with fewer people, but for a more significant investment. And, um, I know we put a goal to, you know, I was working, it was supposed to, you know, work with like 12 or so people. Um, we started sending out emails, um, with the new packages, you know, like end of December, beginning of January, like right in the thick of like Christmas season. But I was just like, well, packages are ready. So I'm going to do it and see what happens. (laughs) And by February I had like filled all my spots, which was just, we were just like sometime next year. Like I'd love to fill my spots. Mm -hmm. And it was like month two. I feel like I had already pretty much had everything filled up. Yeah. That was your, I mean, we set your 2022 goals for like 12 new clients. And then when we met in February, you were like, and yeah, I'm done. And (laughs) maybe I'll take on a couple more. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) I remember you like one time you just like slid into my DMS and you told me like you had closed a deal and it was like, it was a a large deal. And I'm like, you can't just casually like pop in here and drop that in. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's like such a testament to you where at a time when most people are like checking out of business for the year, they're done. They're not going to push it. Like you just went for it. Your packages were ready. You didn't even want to wait. You just went for it. And you had people booked for 2022 by the end of 2021. And that really, I think is a testament to like your commitment and also it was scary, but you went for it anyway. Like you worked through it. You didn't let that fear stop you because it is when you raise your prices and, Mm -hmm. and there's a, there's mindset work that has to go into that. And speaking to like, are you worthy of that price? Is this like it, am I going to be able to deliver at this price? You know, and all of these insecurities or questions that will come up and you worked through them, even if it was just like putting them aside to focus on your job And then no one blinked. Everyone was like, yeah, sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely wild. And it's, it's interesting because that is like one example um, for me that where I 
put in the work, I made the changes, I sent it out and had huge success. Mm -hmm. And then with the podcast, so it was interesting because with one part of my business, with my equestrian style, we had, you know, changed packages, made this new shift, sent it out and had like raving success. And then with Equestrian Podcast, I experienced maybe like a different response Mm -hmm. and was able to see that still, like it wasn't a negative, but it really gave me the opportunity to hear who my, like my client and what they had to say, and then just really kind of pivot. Um, So for Equestrian Podcast, I wanted, it's obviously like a newer business than my equestrian style. It's also, I mean, podcasts are like newer, I guess, but um, especially in the equestrian world, they're, they're a lot newer. And so just trying to figure out how to educate the space, which several years ago is what I had to do with my equestrian style, have people understand that you can't just send an influencer clothes and that's not that that can't be the payment. <laughs> right. Um, there's a lot of that goes into it where they where influencers like us need to be compensated on top of the yeah. price of the clothing. And so that's kind of where I'm at with the podcast is really educating the space of how captive a podcast audience can be and how beneficial podcast mm-hmm. advertising can be. And so it's definitely like an untapped audience that does involve a little bit more explanation. And so I was, you know, changing my podcast rates and doing more of like a, maybe more of like an intense package Mm -hmm. than I um, had before. And um, I had a little bit more of like a cricket response. Mm -hmm. And I, yes, of course, like freaked out for a minute, um, (laughs) but like really, you know, sat down and said, okay, like why, why did I get a huge response with my equestrian style. And then with a very similar package structure, didn't get a ton of response for the podcast. So I was able to sit down, realize, okay, last year when I had these two smaller packages, I filled up right away. So what's kind of like the middle ground that I could still offer, maybe take my packages from last year and slightly increase the price and explain why based on my growth and the different things that I've learned and the different things that I can incorporate into those packages. And then was able to kind of pivot to that and offer those um, kind of new versions of my old packages. And then I was able to see more success there. So it was, um, so kind of, I guess, speaking to potential fear of, you know, making those changes and making the price increase and fear that no one's going to, you know, select them that can happen and that's okay. (laughs) And it's not like I have to close the doors on the equestrian podcast because people didn't buy my original packaging that I came out with this year. It really is. If something doesn't work, you can just make changes and try it again. And like, I even reached out to the people that never responded to me with my initial packaging and let them know, Hey, I also have these two packages available. I wanted to make sure I shared them with you as well. And with some of those people, like I did get a response back then. So it's just a test. It's, it's, it's scary. And it's, you know, you put your heart and soul in your businesses, but if something doesn't work, out, especially when it comes to sales and marketing, um, just tweak it and try again. And people, it, you'll, you'd be shocked how understanding people are and how people, you know, maybe with a, a few changes then are totally on board with working with you. Absolutely. And I think just 
keep staying open to that idea where it's like, okay, they rejected, maybe they rejected the packages, but they didn't reject you. They didn't reject Mm -hmm. the brand. They didn't reject the idea of podcast advertising, but the package as it was structured didn't work for them at that time. And that was okay. And it doesn't mean anything about you as a business owner. Like you said, you didn't have to close the doors. You don't have to like cancel the podcast or rebrand it or anything. You just made some tweaks and you committed to that. When we launched it, you were committed. Like you put it out there Mm -hmm. because sometimes you have to question that too. Like, okay, are they just not seeing it? Are they just not aware? And that's why they're not buying. Mm -hmm. But you, you knew that wasn't the problem because you had put it out there to them. And to some people, maybe who have supported you in the past or, you know, and to launch to crickets, it's hard. Yeah. And so the fact that you then pivoted like 90 days in or in the second quarter, you know, and then put it out again, and now people are responding. I think that's great. And I think that flexibility is an underestimated like strength in running a small business. Like you do it's important to have plans and it's important to have structure, but it's also important to be flexible with those things. And whether it's flexible with your clients, sometimes I always tell people like, if you raise your rates and then people come back to you and say like, actually that's out of my budget right now, you have a choice to make. You're the business owner. So you can decide if you want to like maybe compromise on something or get creative with the packaging, or you just say no, like it's, it's up to you to decide how to handle that. And so for you to tweak it and now to see more success, I think that's great because you're, we're constantly fact-finding about our clients and like, we're pushing their limits too, to see, you know, like, okay, where are they going to say no? Um, And so the fact that you did that and people are responsive now, I think that's great. And I can speak to that too. So I advertised for the first time ever on a podcast was on Bethany's podcast. And I got a client from there. And what was so interesting, because I've been your business coach is to how this client and a listener of the podcast, how she described her connection to you, even though she's never met you. And she was telling me that once she heard the ad, I think it was the second time she heard the ad that She knew if Bethany was talking about her business coach, that it was true because she trusts Bethany and she's always genuine and she's always authentic. And so she said, as soon as she heard the ad, she went to the website and she looked it up and then she booked the consultation. And then she ended up booking on the spot for the service that we offered on the ad. And so in that moment, it paid for itself and that, that was great. And then in the exposure. And so there is, when you, pay to advertise there, you're not going to see an immediate ROI most times. Like you have to count on the fact that people are going to listen to those episodes maybe for years to come, Mm -hmm. who knows? And so like I, so we had an immediate ROI with that person booking, but we don't know how much that, that episode or that ad could bring in because the podcast is going to live on the internet, like maybe forever, unless you take it down one day and that ad will be there. And so advertising, there's a different ROI that comes with advertising. And it's similar to investing in like a marketing coach or a business coach or some other things, again, that are not tangible. Um, And you just have to trust that ultimately they will pay off for your business. So I think I think that's so interesting about the podcast. And for people who don't know, because I don't know if we spelled it out, it's podcast sponsorships that Bethany does for her podcast. So did you always have podcast sponsorships? Or when did you start doing that? I um, probably 
probably like six months in, I started doing podcast sponsorships. Um, and it really just started, you know, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. So, you know, like it just kind of, as my, you know, podcast grew and my listenership grew, then I, you know, felt like I could increase the pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just started small and started, um, for me to be able to cover the costs for, um, having it produced and, um, yeah, then kind of just went from there, but it was, um, from all my packages, I have like a 30 to 45 second ad within the middle of every episode. And I'm going to hold on to it as long as I can to do, um, one sponsor per episode, mm-hmm. but getting close to the point where I have to think about maybe doing two sponsors per episode, but yeah. still pretty good. Um, you know, kind of based on the other, um, podcasts that I listen to, but so I do that and then, um, have a page about the guests and the sponsors on my website and then do some promotion on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I mean, like the experience on the other end, because now I feel like I've gone through the life cycle. Yeah. Like I helped you structure the packages. And then, then I was a client and I, I was just so impressed with the whole thing and like the page and then the ad and then your stories on Instagram. So I feel like it is, it is really beneficial and for people who are looking for alternative ways to market and advertise your business. I think looking into podcast sponsorship is one of the best ways to do that right now because everyone is listening to podcasts and Mm -hmm. there are so many podcasts out there that you can really find brands that align with your audience or your brand or your mission. And, and you can cross promote in that way. And also doing being a guest like we're doing right now. That's another great way to cross promote and to get in front of other audiences. So thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else um, you feel like you want to say on horse girl marketing or influencer marketing or anything you want to leave the audience with today? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I would say obviously for, for those of us who are horse girls, it's definitely in our blood and kind of you know, forever there. So if you have a business within the horse community, really tuning into that and um, understanding that what you like and what you enjoy, chances are um, a lot of the community feels the same way. Mm -hmm. And so really being true to who you are as an equestrian and as a horse girl and letting that translate to your business. Perfect. Such wise words. And for any industry, really being true to who you are and in speaking to your passions and letting that translate, I think is totally. Thank you so much, Bethany. Thanks, Miranda. Was that a good conversation or what? I cannot wait to hear what you learned from this episode. If you want to keep up with Bethany, you can visit myequestrianstyle.com or find her on Instagram at myequestrianstyle. You can also keep up with the podcast and listen to it at equestrianpodcast.com or find them on Instagram at equestrianpodcast. You can learn more about her equestrian workshop, which takes place twice a year for equestrian businesswomen at equestrianworkshop.com or find them on Instagram at equestrianworkshop. And I will link to all of these places in the show notes. Please be sure to take screenshots and tag us and let us know what you thought about this episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to another episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave a review so more business owners like you can find us and learn how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. Talk to you next week.